Mary, the mother of Jesus, is someone I now think about more than I ever have during the Christmas season because of an experience I had two Christmases ago when I lost a pregnancy. Her attitude of being the handmaid of the Lord has helped me maintain the perspective of being willing to do the Lord's will even through some of the most challenging trials that have come with being a mother. Today, I'm sharing my theory on miscarriage that has been pieced together over time and through my experiences with miscarriages. I don't claim that it's for sure a fact, but it's something that has brought a lot of comfort to some of my friends who have experienced the same, and so maybe it can for you or someone you love too. Okay, this week's topic was inspired by a couple of DMs that I've gotten just sporadically over the last six months to a year. And it was in response to, so I do these Sunday spiritual Q&As occasionally. I was doing them like every week for a while there, like while I was on bed rest. But as we've gotten busier with five kiddos and sometimes it feels like the day of rest is not totally a day of rest. But anyway, I still do them occasionally here and there. And I love to do it because I love to have an opportunity to talk about my favorite topic, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one time someone asked me what my theory was on miscarriage and what happens to babies that are miscarried. So I explained my theory a little bit. And then since then, I've had a few moms here and there reach out to me through DM and say like, hey, will you share that with me one more time? Like either I'm going through that or I have a friend or something. And so since that has come up a few times, I thought we should do a podcast episode just talking about this topic. And it is definitely a very spiritual, sensitive, personal topic. And I'll just actually, I'd love for you to start it out, Neil, because and and I want everyone to feel welcome and included in this conversation and just know right off the bat that we're going to be talking about like my experience, my feelings, some of the ideas that I've put together that make sense and feel right to me. But as far as what our church says, it's actually a little bit ambiguous. So do you want to start off with that, Neil? Sure. Yeah, I mean, this is from the general handbook. So for our church, there's there's like a, a handbook that anybody can access. It's on their website, LDS or churchofjesuschrist.org under you just search handbook in the search bar. And there's a section 38.7.3 that says children who die before birth, stillborn and miscarried children. So what it says here is parents who experience the death of an unborn child suffer grief and loss. Leaders, family members, and ministering brothers and sisters offer emotional and spiritual support. Parents may decide whether to hold memorial or graveside services. Parents may record information about the child in familysearch.org. Instructions are provided. So this is where it's it's pretty interesting. Temple ordinances are not needed or performed for children who die at birth. So we believe in like making covenants with God while here on earth that are bound in heaven. But they're saying children that die before birth don't need to make those those covenants or those ordinances. They don't need them done for them by proxy or or after they're after they pass on. This does not deny the possibility that these children may be a part of the family in the eternities. 
So I think that's the coolest part of this whole thing. Parents are encouraged to trust the Lord and seek his comfort. So this does not, so even though we're not doing, because a lot of times what, what we believe in it basically is that we can do like baptism, for instance, it's a Christian belief that you have to be baptized to be, receive a remission of your sins and, and live with God again. What about the people that aren't baptized? So we believe in like proxy baptism. We can go to the temple and we can be baptized for people who have passed on before us who never got the opportunity to. So they're saying in this instance, we don't need to to be baptized for these children, but that they may be a part of the family in the eternities. So that's kind of what the, the handbook says, which is really cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I remember reading that after we had a miscarriage and thinking like, okay, that's that's good, but I still want more information. Like I still want to seek out something that makes more sense to me. And, and I want more than just that. So, but to give some backstory. So we had our fourth baby in 2020 and we were done having kids. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. It was an episode called like, why do you have to have so many kids? That was actually about a year ago, Christmas time last year, right before we had Bobby. So we go all into detail about the revelation that happened when we decided to have a fifth baby. And I think we even did talk about the miscarriage there a little bit, but just to kind of circle back on that and give some context. So we really felt strongly that God asked us to have one more baby. And me specifically, the revelation that I felt like he gave me was, you can do this and I need you to make room for one more. And we felt really strongly about that. Like you and I both felt really united that that was God's will for us. So we started trying and and got pregnant right away with the first try of baby number five. We found out in the fall and then a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, we, I, I was, I started bleeding a lot and I was like, wow, is this what a miscarriage looks like? Like, is that, am I miscarrying? You know, it was right in that kind of zone of like a lot of people miscarry first trimester still. So I went to the doctor and then they were like, well, there's still, I think at that point, like a gestational sac or whatever, you know, there was like still a, I don't remember exactly what, what phase we were in, but they were like, there's still a baby in there. So you haven't lost it yet. You haven't lost the pregnancy yet. It's too early to tell if there's a heartbeat, but there's definitely still something in there. So even though you're bleeding, you're not, you haven't lost the pregnancy. So then they started monitoring my HCG levels, which there's, they will say that to have a healthy pregnancy, they should be doubling. I think every week, I can't remember exactly, but they started monitoring my levels and they weren't multiplying fast enough for my doctor to think that it was going to be a viable pregnancy. So she reviewed my numbers and called me the night before Thanksgiving. So it was like Wednesday night. And she just said, I'm really sorry, but this is pretty much, this is a slam dunk. Like you're going to lose this baby. And so she really encouraged me to take medication that would just get it over with instead of kind of waiting like a ticking time bomb on when the miscarriage would happen. And we just didn't feel good about that. And that's kind of a long story too. But to make a long story a little bit shorter, we decided to wait instead of having me take this medication. And then the following week, we had a follow-up 
doctor appointment and we went in and it was like a miracle. We saw the baby's heartbeat and I just was, it was such a roller coaster of emotions going up and down and being so sad about for sure losing the baby and then being shocked when we saw the heartbeat. And I just remember feeling so many things and feeling excited, but also still kind of apprehensive. And a few weeks later, we ended up losing the pregnancy. So it was a very long drawn out process, probably like a six week process, maybe even longer of like when we started to see signs of trouble to when I finally did lose the baby. So it it also happened right before Christmas. And I remember that it happened on a Sunday. And then the very next day, I had a podcast interview scheduled with David Butler. So I get on the podcast with Dave and he kind of directs the whole conversation into this topic of Mary being willing to carry the Son of God. And he talks to me all about how much he loves Mary and thinks that she's so wonderful and shares with me this scripture, Luke 138, behold the handmaid of the Lord. And he talks about how like basically when Mary found out that she was picked to do this, that was her response was like, okay, I'm I behold the handmaid of the Lord saying like, I'm here to serve you. Like if that's what you need me to do, I'll carry this child. Even if I am going to be embarrassed or humiliated by the culture then was just so strong as far as an unmarried woman getting pregnant. And also, you know, how many people would believe her that she was a virgin carrying a baby? So we talked all about that and that was really special to me. And then the next night there was a Christmas dinner that I really didn't feel like going to that was for the women in my church congregation, which we call the Relief Society. But something kind of nudged me, you know, when you'll have that feeling and you're like, I know I'm supposed to go to this, even though I really don't feel like going. And I had a seminary teacher. I think about him all the time. Brother Crimin, who would say, like, when you feel the least like going to seminary, that's when you need to go the most. And I still to this day will think about that. And that was one of those instances where I was like, oh, I just want to stay home. I still feel crappy. Like, I'm still really sad. I don't want to go, like, see people in person who are going to be, like, wanting to give me hugs and ask me if I'm okay or that don't know yet, which that happened that night. Like, oh my gosh, Corinne, I'm so excited for you. And then, you know, I started crying because. I had just lost the baby a couple of days before that. But at that Christmas dinner, there were two women who gave talks, beautiful talks, and they were both about Mary. And I'm pretty sure I remember both of them telling me after that they had not planned around each other or planned in sync to both talk about Mary, but they both quoted this same scripture, Behold the Handmaid of the Lord. It was like I heard that message in threes from to me, it felt like a tender mercy from the Lord saying like, look at Mary and look at what she was willing to do. Like she was willing to carry this child. And I'm not saying that I'm like a Mary that was bearing like the son of God as a virgin, but I'm saying that what what was comforting to me was to feel like kind of this kinship with Mary being a woman who was willing to carry a baby even through difficult circumstances. And for me, I had kind of felt like, gosh, why did God ask me to have this baby? And then we lost the baby. So having that scripture appear multiple times in these conversations. And then as I left that night, everybody got to go home with a framed 
scripture and picture and there were different ones. And the one that I got was behold the handmaid of the Lord. And I still have, I keep it next to like all my perfumes on our little built-in. So that just really became meaningful to me because I interpreted that, felt like I had personal revelation that God was like, just like I asked Mary to do this, like I needed you to carry this baby, even though it didn't work out the way you wanted it to. And then do you remember when Spence called us? When was that? It was like maybe a week or two later for our really about right. Yeah. Our good friend, Spencer Taggart, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. He's incredible. And is just a dear friend of ours. He called for some reason and we were talking and we told him about what had happened with the baby. And he was like, well, you know, that baby's just up in heaven saying like, thanks so much, mom and dad for giving me a body so I could come down to earth and, and get that little heartbeat and then go right back up. And that comment to me like really meant so much. And it just felt like very validating to me of, oh, I needed to give that little body, that little baby, that person in our family, like a physical body, even though like that baby wasn't fully formed and born and all of that. So again, this is like my theory, my experience, what I believe after having gone through two miscarriages, I went through another one a couple months later, but I really started to put together this kind of theory that I think there's probably not, there There are probably women like me who I don't know that we would have seven kids, right? Like, I don't, I don't know that you and I would be like, yeah, let's have seven kids. But maybe being willing to try and have babies and go through miscarriages and whatever, then maybe this is part of Heavenly Father's plan to get more bodies and more spirits to have that like experience of gaining a physical body so that they can then go on and progress into the eternities. There's more to this though than just this. So that was one piece of the puzzle where Spence said to me like, that spirit's just saying like, gosh, mom, dad, like, thanks so much for giving me a physical body. And it just felt good. It felt right. It didn't feel like something that was crazy or far-fetched. And then I've heard people say like, well, when does life form? Like when does a baby really like when does the spirit meet the body? And that is something that you'll find lots of different interpretations of and people have different opinions and theories and whatever. But this is one thing in that same Luke 1. So I went home and was reading Luke 1 after that experience during that Christmas when it was a really tender time. I remember telling my mom that I was just trying to stay so busy with Christmas stuff because if I stopped and thought about it, it just felt crushing to me. Like I felt such a loss and grief over losing that little baby. So I was reading Luke 1 with the intention of reading again that scripture where it says, Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. But you keep reading And it talks about how she went to see Elizabeth to tell Elizabeth, same chapter, Luke 1, verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So you think about that and like, okay, if if the spirit and the body are 
at all connected while they're in the mother's womb, then you would think that that's how that would happen, where the baby would be so elated with the news that like his cousin was going to be born that he leapt and or leaped in his mother's womb. That was another just little piece of the puzzle for me where I was like, okay, this makes sense that those lives of babies that are miscarried aren't just, they aren't just like a trial that doesn't mean anything, if that makes sense. Like to me, it gave, it gave that so much meaning to me. And then we ended up getting pregnant again a few months later, like I said, and then miscarried within like, I found out I was pregnant. And so whatever that was like, usually find out like week five or something. And then like the next week, week six, it was a very quick turnaround of a miscarriage. So I had another miscarriage. So that one was easier to deal with because it wasn't like such a long drawn out process. But I remember when I had that miscarriage, I remember going back to this and just kind of reviewing that and feeling like, okay, this isn't for nothing. This this thing didn't happen just so that I would go through pain for no reason. Like, you know, the the pain of like heartache of being excited and then losing a pregnancy. So I just want to pause there. Sorry, I've been talking a lot. Neil, what was it like for you to be on a completely opposite end of parenthood? Like, you know, that part of like being excited about a baby then losing the pregnancy and and what was that like for you? Well, I think yeah, it's a it's a roller coaster for sure. I mean, I'm watching, I'm living it with you. We're living it together, like emotionally, what's happening and the excitement and like, oh, we felt so good about this and this is so right. And like this baby is supposed to come to our family, but then the confusion of when there is a miscarriage of like, well, what? Like this is this is a good thing. Like the, we're bringing, and, and a lot of this comes down to depending on what your belief system is. Mm-hmm. Like we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. We believe in that we lived before we were born spiritually. Right. We lived, we're mortally here on this earth. Our spirits and our bodies are together in the form that we're in now. Then after we die, we are, the spirits and bodies separate. Body goes in the ground. Spirit goes up to the afterlife and lives on having the perspective that we do of that and that our families can be together forever, potentially through covenants and through being married in the temple, making covenants, et cetera. So having that eternal perspective, it totally changes it. One thing that is really powerful that I've kind of been learning a lot through scripture is how amazing the concept of resurrection is like Mm. being living again basically we will die our spirit and our bodies are separated but like depending on what you believe in what we believe in is that we'll be resurrected because jesus christ took up his body was the first to overcome death and be resurrected to live again with his body that we will be resurrected Mm -hmm. and this is there's a cool in the in the bible first corinthians 15 20 and 2022 it says but now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. So basically he was the first to be resurrected. Mm -hmm. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, meaning they lived again with their bodies and spirits were reunited. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all 
be made alive. So it makes a lot of sense, like how awesome our bodies are, how important that is um, to express ourselves, like thinking in that, in those terms and thinking in terms of living again and how important like life is and our bodies are to kind of God's plan as we know it, mm-hmm. then having that perspective and seeing it in that way really changes it to where, yes, like there's a huge loss like that. That's really, and it's emotional. It's hard. Like you feel it and, and it's, it's a death and a loss, but having that perspective of like, we will live again and we can be together again after this life as a family and that there's another, this person, a member of our family, essentially, Mm -hmm. potentially will be with us. And we don't know all things. I don't know all things, but my thought is God, God knows all things. Right. And there's wisdom and there's reason and there's purposes that we don't understand that he does. And he is the giver of, of life. If things happened a certain way, then he understands the reasoning behind that. And, and we might not comprehend all the things that God can comprehend. Yeah. So having that perspective really changed it for me. Doesn't mean that it wasn't hard and that I didn't feel loss, sadness, all of those things. It is really interesting to think about resurrection, and that's kind of one more key piece of this puzzle that I've put together that gives me the theory that I have about miscarriages and babies that are miscarried. And it came from Ardeth Cap and from the All In podcast episode that she did with my friend Morgan Jones. And Morgan interviewed her. So that interview went live March. 9th of 2022. So Artist Cap shares about this trial that she went through in her life where she and her husband could not have children. And she didn't say like they couldn't keep a pregnancy or they couldn't get pregnant. She doesn't go into like why or what the details were, but she just talks about infertility and how they were not able to have children and how she was called to be the general young women's president of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ. And which is like, you're in charge of all of the teenage girls in our church and worldwide. It's a huge calling. So when she went in and received this calling from the prophet of our church at the time, Gordon B. Hinckley, Gordon B. Hinckley said to her, there was some internal talk about, are you going to be the right person? And are you going to be criticized in this role because you didn't have your own children? And he said to her, Ardith, you will raise your children during the millennium when Satan is bound. So she shares that and she kind of laughs about it. And she's like, oh, if only I had known that 30 years earlier, it would have been so much easier. But I needed to be tried and tested. But the reason why that was so significant to me. So she shared that at the beginning of March. And then I ended up having a miscarriage, whatever, like a second one just a few weeks later. And the reason why that was so significant was because I thought to myself, okay, if Artis Cap 
was told by our prophet that she's going to raise her children in the millennium. That means that I could potentially have children that I didn't have on this earth today, right now in our home, who maybe I'm going to raise in the millennium too. If it's possible for her, then it's possible for me. And I'd had this baby who we saw the heartbeat and then we lost the pregnancy. And so to me, it felt like, okay, I actually can see conceivably how this is, this was a necessary part of our path to have this baby come and get a physical body, even though like, like I said, that body wasn't fully developed. So that like in the future, in the millennium, which if you're a Christian, you believe in the millennium when Jesus will come again and Satan's bound. This is a Christian thing, right? Yeah, Not just in our church. Thing. Years. It's yeah. talked about in, in the, the book Bible. of Revelation. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that was one more piece of the puzzle was, okay, I could see how conceivably this is part of God's plan to have X amount of children in our family unit. But I don't know, again, that we would have had seven babies but maybe there are, we were meant to have seven children in our family. So was this God's way of helping us to have two more people in our family that, so that we could have like the full amount? I don't know. It just was, it's a theory that I have that felt with all these little pieces, putting them together, like maybe that was part of the plan. And when I've shared that with other women, it's been like a really cool spiritual experience where like they have felt it too. And like we've both cried and um, like a dear friend of mine who has three kids, but had four miscarriages. She just cried when I told her that all, like gave her all the pieces of the puzzle too and said, this is what I believe. And this is my theory that that could be true. And she just cried too and said like, Corinne, I think that could be me too. Like, I don't think I would have had seven kids but I had seven pregnancies. That's just been like a cool little theory of mine that has just made those trials make more sense to me and have more meaning. One other thing that I want to share that is like one other additional piece of the puzzle for me. It relates to the story of me being on an airplane a few weeks ago. I was flying to, I think this was when I was flying out to Dallas for the LTK conference. And I was on my way there and about an hour into the flight, I heard this little ding and then they said, we'll be landing in 20 minutes. And I was like, wait, what? And I had had my noise canceling headphones on and was listening to music. So I wasn't paying attention to whatever announcements had been going on. I, you know, I just kind of figured they were the like, oh, there's turbulence or put on your seatbelt or now we'll turn the seatbelt sign off. Like I hadn't been paying attention. So I took my headphones off and I asked the person next to me, what's going on? And they said, oh, they had to turn around. There's something wrong with the plane. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So they landed the plane. We had to all deplane and then they put us all on a brand new plane and we flew to our destination and ended up getting there a few hours late. And it was funny because there were some people who were kind of like grumbling about that. And I was, do you remember I called you and we I were like, remember that. Yeah. Well, at least I'm not dead. Yeah. Like, could have been dead on that one. Right. And here's why that relates to this too, is when we had Bobby, I, before I had him, I didn't even know that placenta previa was a thing. But once I had it as a condition, which is like puts the mom's life in danger, I did all this research on placenta previa, placenta accreta, which means that like your placenta attaches to 
usually a scar on your uterus, which at that point I had had four C-sections. It was my fifth. It would have been my fifth C-section baby. And so the likelihood of having placenta accreta with a fifth C-section, like your chances are super high. This is one other thing that I've thought about before too, is like, was that God's tender mercy of keeping me here? Because what if one of those other pregnancies could have been that like faulty airplane that would have taken me down? Like, and maybe one of those other pregnancies wouldn't have ended so well with a placenta accreta, which can literally can take the mother's life in the process of bearing and having the child. And so it's just one other thing, like one other piece of the puzzle for me that I'm like, maybe this was just all part of God's plan where he saw something that we never could have seen during this life, but maybe in the next life it will make sense why those babies couldn't fully come into our family. And then Bobby was the baby that survived out of those three pregnancies. And I don't know, but it's just one other thing that I've thought about where I'm like, having had a pregnancy with so many complications where we fought for my life, for Bobby's life. And at the end, my doctor was like, you can never do this again. Interesting that that would happen after those two miscarriages, because again, if the theory is there's seven children that are meant to be in our family, like I, if we had had Bobby on that try number five, we for sure never would have gotten pregnant ever again. So it's just an interesting thing to think about. Well, I love the, like the scripture, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. So I think in God's realm, God's perfect and he he doesn't make mistakes. I think that there's a lot of things that due to man's fallen nature or our current state, like we just can't con- conceptualize. We don't have the perspective mm-hmm. being where we are to understand it. But I really think that God is is not the author of confusion and God doesn't make mistakes. And so especially when it comes to life, like the creation of life is so sacred and important and special. The ending of life is is to be on God's timetable. And so in that realm, yeah, I think that if we understood and could see as God understood understands, then we would we would see things in an entirely different way that would probably be more spiritual. And that I think that in these circumstances and when we have these conversations or experiences, when a lot of times you can it can be kind of a there can be an element or or a huge element of a spiritual experience where you can really feel how important that is or maybe how God feels about it or feels about this spirit or that there will be sense in something that maybe where we're standing and from our perspective doesn't make sense in the moment. But I think when we're discerning and thinking about these from a spiritual standpoint and having, I love our prophet talks about, the leader of our church talks about think celestial, like Mm -hmm. think spiritually, think from a spiritual standpoint. When we're looking from that perspective, it totally changes it. So I love what you're saying. Well, I want to end with one thing from Spencer W. Kimball, who was also a leader in our church. And this is one of my favorite things. I always have this bookmarked in my little gospel library. And I don't know if you know this, but you can rename things in your gospel library. So I've got all these little tabs like 
temple promise and seeing Jesus. And this one is called Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. I'll just kind of read you some of this that I love. He says, could the Lord have prevented these tragedies? And he talks about all these different people that died or that were harmed or whatever. And he says, the answer is yes, the Lord is omnipotent with all power to control our lives, save us pain, prevent all accidents, drive all planes and cars, feed us, protect us, save us from labor, effort, sickness, even from death, if he will, but he will not. We should be able to understand this because we can realize how unwise it would be for us to shield our children from all effort, from disappointments, temptations, sorrows, and suffering. The basic gospel law is free agency and eternal development. To force us to be careful or righteous would be to nullify that fundamental law and make growth impossible. So then he goes on to say, if we look at mortality as the whole of existence, then pain, sorrow, failure, and short life would be a calamity. But if we look upon life as an eternal thing stretching far into the pre-mortal past and on into the eternal post-death future, then all happenings may be put into the proper perspective. Is there not wisdom in his giving us trials that we might rise above them, responsibilities that we might achieve, work to harden our muscles, sorrows to try our souls? And are we not exposed to temptations to test our strength, sickness that we might learn patience, death that we might be immortalized and glorified? If all the sick for whom we prayed were healed, if all the righteous were protected and the wicked destroyed, the whole program of the Father would be annulled and the basic principle of the gospel free agency would be ended. No man would have to live by faith. If joy and peace and rewards were instantaneously given the doer of good, there could be no evil. All would do good, but not because of the rightness of doing good. There would be no test of strength, no development of character, no growth of powers, no free agency, only satanic controls. Should all prayers be immediately answered according to our selfish desires and our limited understanding, then there would be little or no suffering, sorrow, disappointment, or even death. And if these were not, there would also be no joy, success, resurrection, nor eternal life and Godhood. So that has always brought a lot of comfort to me that all of these things have their place in us becoming the people that God needs us to be in. And that's kind of what Artist Cap laughed about too. She was like, well, that would have been nice for me to know 30 years before that, but then I wouldn't have been tried and tested in the way that I was during all those years of infertility. And so I think that it's going to be different for everyone. None of us have exactly the same experiences, even within miscarriage, even if it's similar. And I think that when we can just try to put our faith in God and ask him, like ask him for help, ask him for revelation and he will give it to you. Like for me, that was something where I built my faith a little bit more. Like that was one more brick of my faith and understanding that there's meaning in all things, even just days after the day after I had that miscarriage, the first really hard one, having three people in 24 hours give me that scripture Luke 138 behold the handmaid of the Lord it was such a tender mercy for me during that really tender time at Christmas time to think about Mary just responding to the Lord and saying like okay I will I will do whatever you need me to do and if my body needs to be the vessel for bringing the son of God to earth then I will do it what a sacred privilege to me that it's been to bring babies to the world and it's just given my theory and all these little puzzle pieces have given me a lot of meaning in 
my journey of being a mother and bringing babies to the earth. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. We're so grateful that you spent time with us today. Make sure you go follow us at Corinne Stoko or at Mint Arrow Messages on Instagram. And then if you have a second and you love the show, I would love it so much if you'd leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the only way people can find out about us if they haven't heard about us before. So just go tap the stars, leave a rating or a review. If you have a second, we would appreciate it so much.